Hello, everyone. Thank you all for joining me, your host, Vern Davis of Plant Profits. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. We're going to have a conversation today with one of the icons of our industry. Uh, my guest is the founding editor of Marijuana Business Daily. He was the first journalist in the United States to focus exclusively on covering the business of cannabis. That's a big deal. I said a lot there. Today, he oversees the editorial events, marketing, sales, and new product divisions of the largest B2B media research and trade show conference company in the global cannabis industry. By now, you already know who I'm speaking of. My guest today on Plant Profits is Mr. Chris Walsh, CEO of J Biz and Marijuana Business Daily. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me. That was very kind of you. I'm sure there's plenty of people who have no idea who I am. <laughs> well, they should. <laughs> we're going to do something about that today. All right. We're going to close the gap just a little bit, man, just a little bit. But man, it's it's great to have you here. And I mean, it, you're like, if, if the cannabis year is seven years, right? 80 years already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we joke internally. Absolutely. For 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 about we've been in ground for about eleven years, but we've said yeah. most of this time, you know, every year in the in the cannabis industry is like, you know, five or six in any other industry. So I feel like I've been doing this my whole life. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Man, I tell you, um you went to Colorado State. You 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 live in Colorado now. I mean, it's just a big deal. I mean, uh, Colorado is a cornerstone. Uh, for the cannabis industry and all that has happened and and several years ago there to kick this thing off. Um, but you're a trailblazer. You're a real trailblazer. When you when you started uh, reporting on cannabis, did you ever, I mean, this is, I mean, you're a guy, you wanted, you went to school, you're a journalist, you wanted to work for the New York Times. That was your that was your wow moment. That's what you were fighting for. And then you went and you started talking about cannabis. Did you feel like a trailblazer? What was that like to be the only, and why were you the only guy? I always wanted to know that. Why were you the only guy talking about this plant? <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, a lot, a lot of people were talking about it, but um, yeah, that whole point in my bio about the, the kind of first journalist to cover the business side is because, you know, at that yeah. time in 2011, there weren't journalists who were really focused on the cannabis industry at all. Um, yeah. They were, you know, there, it was still a new thing and it was, it was the subject of jokes and punny headlines. And it was, um, you know, they would just fly in and write something about what their state is doing and fly out. But it was a, it was a real business developing, right? And no one was really giving it the attention it needed a professional kind of journalistic approach to, to writing about what the heck was going on with this industry and how it affects the business side specifically. So you had plenty of people writing for consumers. You had the high times type magazines, right? And you had bloggers, you know, and right. rating different types of strains, but no one was really focused on that business side. Yeah. In your mind, who was listening to you? Who was listening to us now or, or then? No, then, then. Uh, that's interesting because when we started, uh, our yeah. target, our target audience was dispensary owners specifically, no one else. Okay. We were really just trying to help that retail side of the industry. You know, back then it was only medical. So, right. um, right. so the dispensary owners, and it was really the initial concept was, Hey, let's do kind of trade publication type 
insights, advice, case studies to help them grow their business. It wasn't a news focus at the very beginning. It was like, you know, how do you upsell at the counter? And, you know, mm-hmm. how does packaging help, help, uh, you know, turn patients on to different products and things like that. But it became very clear shortly after we launched that there, there wasn't, um, that the need was real, again, legit news, objectively, mm-hmm. you know, analysis and, and taking it from the point of view of a CEO, of a founder, of an investor, and trying to t- make sense of the developments and report on them. So our audience shifted to, you know, basically it was people who were in the industry um, across the board, whether it was an ancillary company, you know, someone uh, who had developed a, a cultivation site or was making infused products. Uh, it was the investors back then that were like, I don't know how to make sense of this industry. I might throw some money into a company. It was those yeah. types of people we were trying trying to help. So, I mean, in, in many ways, as as you stated what you just did, you played a role in what you were doing. I'm sure you had people supporting you. And what you were doing in writing about this industry when it was right to your point, it was the, it was the medical industry, um, that you played a role in getting money directed into the space. Well, we like to think, you know, I, I try and avoid mm-hmm. any type of hubris or, or overinflate anything I or MJ business no. for the industry. I really do. Um, but but we set out to help professionalize the industry and to help it. So I'm proud okay. of I'm I'm proud of that. And that I do think we played we did exactly that. We put a professional face on an industry that desperately needed it because if mm-hmm. it was going to be taken seriously, you know, you had to approach it differently than it was at the time. You had to mo- approach it more with a business mindset. If you're going to and a responsible and regulatory mindset, if this was ever going to spread into what it's become today, it couldn't exist and it couldn't it couldn't gain the traction it needs with the public, with the lawmakers, uh, with regulators, yeah. if it didn't turn that corner. And that's what we set out to help it do. And I think I think we helped in a, in a, a decent way to do that. No, I, I think you were some of the first planks in the floor, right? You built to help build a foundation to something that could be built upon uh, with what the work you guys were uh, were doing. So, you know, MJ Biz, how did you actually get involved? You know, yeah, tell me that. So, yeah, sure. Um, I, as you mentioned, I went to Colorado State University. I majored in journalism. My father was a White House correspondent for okay. many decades, and he, I grew up watching him, you know, fly around the world on Air Force One, covering, you know, Reagan and Clinton and Bush, and he was he was right in the thick of it as a journalist at U.S. News and right. and it kind of sparked a desire in me to get into journalism. And so that's that's kind of where my focus was. Um, I had a desire to help people in some way, and if I could do that professionally, I kind of fell into the business side of journalism. It wasn't what I was thinking. So I, I basically started uh, working on on business desk of a newspaper, and mm-hmm. and it just evolved. I, I had that dream, as you mentioned. My the pinnacle mm-hmm. of my career would be a Wall Street Journal, a New York Times, um, reputable yeah. news outlets, and. Maybe most people don't consider any news outlet reputable anymore, but you know, back then, um, these were- It was different. I mean, 10 years ago, it was different. It was different. Yeah. yeah. And these were pillars of, of ger- responsible, effective, uh, credible journalism. So that's where I wanted to go. And that's kind of the, yeah. the career map I had set out. If I could get there, I will have made it with my chosen career. But as what happened is, you know, I started my professional career in 2000, and that's when the high-tech uh, industry hit its hit, hit its- high point right right 
I graduated college and was actually covering high tech. And within six months, the whole thing collapsed, right? That was the, the popping of the bubble. So all of a sudden I was writing about layoffs and companies closing their doors and people losing their jobs. And, and that started to have an effect on my, my, uh, chosen career. So newspapers started to suffer, um, and magazines, and it just, it started, we started cutting back and I just saw where everything was going with, with media. So I went back to school and, and, you know, working in journalism and got my MBA, was earning my MBA. And I decided in my early thirties to move to South Korea actually, and said, Hey, I'm going to join South Korea. Hold on. Hold on, Chris. Why South Korea? (laughs) Well, I want to, I want to emphasize South, not North. I got it. And I said it twice also. I've I've just said Korea sometimes and people are like, you were in North Korea. I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no, no, no. Um, But uh, no, it was just was an opportunity and I'm a big international traveler and I wanted to live abroad and it was the right time in my life to take a risk. And so I worked at a newspaper over there. I left in 2009. I was in Denver before that. Um, And when I came, when I left at the newspaper I worked at in Denver, marijuana wasn't an industry in 2009 what was it had been legalized for medical purposes but like many states that had done that there was no industry right it was still federally illegal so when i left it wasn't even on our radar as as a business you know desk newspaper when i came back two years later and was trying to figure out what my next move would be um there were more dispensaries in the denver area than starbucks in just two years this industry had kind of come out of nowhere it had come out of nowhere and so, um, but, but why do you, why did it happen though? I mean, you were, you were away two years, you weren't watching it grow, but something sparked. Yeah. You know what that was? You know, it was really that uh, a number of states had legalized, the voters had legalized medical cannabis and it just, it reached this point where some pioneering entrepreneurs put everything they had on the line. They could have mm-hmm. gone to jail, their, their reputations, and they just said, it's legal in my state. I'm going to start, you know, growing and selling marijuana and I'm going to open up a storefront. And so you just had a point in time where risk takers in California, Mm -hmm. in Washington, in Montana, in Oregon, in Colorado were, were willing and one saw another do it somewhere else. And they said, I'm going to do it here, you know? And, and, you know, I don't know what it was specifically about that, you know, that, that window of time, but it, it did, it was a very short window and it wasn't just in Colorado. Um, California actually led the charge, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a couple years earlier with people like Steve D'Angelo and Andrew D'Angelo just saying, right. Hey, Steve, we're going to get out there and help people. We believe in this plan. And, and, and it took some evangelism, right? Uh, it, that's what it, that's, that's exactly, uh, what it took. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to, we're going to take this further and talk about, uh, some things that I've observed about you and what you do as an analyst in this industry. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. And our guest today is the CEO of MJ Biz, etc., cetera, uh, Mr. Chris Walsh. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, well, welcome back, everyone. Um, I'm here today. I'm Vern Davis, your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. And my guest today is Mr. Chris Walsh, uh, the leader, the head of MJ Biz and other uh, properties uh, dealing with the cannabis business industry. You know, Chris, people have called you an analyst, one of the foremost analysts 
uh, in the in the industry in the cannabis business, and and I think that's that's important. And and you 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 do things sort of like an analyst. You're out there. You are talking about the industry. You're making predictions. I was at your show right in October of last year in Vegas in MJ Biz. I was there. You got on stage and you made some predictions about the industry. Okay, so this is semi. Vern giving you a scorecard, semi, let's have a little fun and, and and really talk about some of the things that you, by doing what you did, you put on the table of, hey, let's make these things happen or let, or if we don't believe it's going to happen, let's get closer to the goal line on these things and how do we do this thing together? So I really love that you do that. I Hopefully you continue to do things like that and just put it out there because we got to talk about this these things and see how can we mobilize to make things happen. So yep. on stage at, at in October of last year, 2021, you said the following. Here's some of the predictions. I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to catch them all. Let's I got it. Okay, let's do it. Okay. You said, all right. Um, well, the first thing you said, it wasn't a prediction. I think it was a fact. And, and I think it's still true. And I want you to comment on it, that we're winning the battle at the ballot box. Mm-hmm. We are. Uh, overwhelmingly so. Uh, you can yeah. look at blue states, red states, uh, medical and recreational. Uh, the the momentum has shifted greatly. Um, and, and it has been there. We had been winning at the ballot box in the low-hanging mm-hmm. fruit states like California and Colorado, where there's overwhelming support naturally for cannabis, uh, more blue states now. Um, but it's what we really have started to see in more recent years is when a measure is on the ballot, you know, the chances that it's going to pass to legalize medical or recreational, uh, is that's where you put your money. You put your money on that bet that it's going to pass. And that's what we had seen in the, in the elections in Mm -hmm. 2020. I mean, you had South Dakota, you know, pretty much as red as it gets. Oh, Uh, it's gaming. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Um, yeah, you know, and, uh, and, and for a state, like that to legal to become the first to legalize both medical and recreational at the same time. No state had done that before, right? This was, again, this wasn't a low hanging fruit state that, that, you know, of course they're going to legalize everyone supports it. Uh, now that was challenged the recreational measure. It was passed and the medical, and it was challenged because of pushback by the governor and others. But, um, is what to, to encapsulate what I was saying is it's winning. It's winning over the people. And you see that in polls. You see that at the ballot box. Where the real struggle is, is the uh, lawmaker side federally. And and in some states where there are still resistance among lawmakers who are fighting back or who have fought back, like in Mississippi, when the voters approve a medical mm-hmm. cannabis measure and then someone comes out and tra- challenges it and overturns it. So... Well, there's resistance, but the voters in time at time again are approving these. And it wasn't always that case, uh, you know, that that was, you know, there was a lot of resistance, you know, six, seven years ago in Arizona, even, even with medical, you know, um, had a lot of problems. So uh, passing that with the voters. So is what we've seen is the public supports this and they're coming out and voting for it and showing their support in that way. And that's yeah. overwhelming at this point. It, it is. And, and I'm from a state that's having just some real interesting discussions about it. I'm from Texas. And right. And, and right. so, I, you know, I'm in Texas and and folks are I, I talk to everybody 
all the time about this this cannabis business, and I have not had anyone that said no to medical cannabis, just medical, right? Yeah. And, and it's a state where it's still an illegal drug. It's illegal. It, yeah. it, it's not been decriminalized in the state of Texas. Now, Austin, Texas, Travis County just just won on a ballot to decriminalize it in a county, right? Yeah. So it, it it is it is quite interesting what is is going on. But you're right, man. I tell you, if the people actually ran the government, if what we thought really matters, it'd be different. Yeah. Now, and, and when you think there's a $25 billion industry that we predict yeah. is going to double, you know, in our marijuana yeah. business factbook where we research this stuff, we predict that's going to double in the next five years. And yet, and yet the federal government has not changed any cannabis laws at a federal level. Like it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So to your point, uh, they aren't listening to the people. The people are speaking years. They're speaking year out. They're screaming, screaming. Yeah. People are screaming. The people are screaming. Okay. So that's that. Now let's let's talk about CBD, right? CBD. You said that basically federally it wasn't going to make a lot of progress, but on the state basis that you thought there would be some advancement. So give us kind of the state of the union of where we are with CBD. CBD is a difficult one because there was a lot of hype around it, a lot of money put in, a lot of entrepreneurial activity when the farm bill passed, which essentially legalized hemp and uh, CBD. Uh, but only certain forms of CBD. So it was what we had as kind of a, another green rush into the CBD side in 2018 and 19. Um, and, and it hasn't played out as many thought, right? So there was a kind of a, a culling of the herd, a lot of problems in the CBD side uh, in, in 20, you know, 2020, even part of 2019 that continued today. So um, it's all hinging. A lot of this is hinging on if the FDA will actually allow CBD in ingestible, so in foods and drinks primarily, because that's where the biggest market is uh, for this. It's not lotions and creams, which do have a market, right? And those are allowed, these topicals, but it's 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 infusing CBD in in things that you ingest, and that's how we're all comfortable as people, uh, you know, consuming things, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that the FDA has not. Uh, has not approved that. And it says that's technically still illegal. So so I'm sure all of you have seen about foods or drinks with CBD in them. Technically, oh, that's illegal. But but you know what? Guess what? Marijuana is still illegal too. And there's, you know, tens of thousands of, of <laughs> stores around the country and, and grows. So it's it's a weird situation. So basically, we're all kind of waiting with bated breath for the yeah. FDA to rule on whether they'll allow it. But my prediction was that the FDA won't move this year. Right, right. Um, and, and the states would would open some doors. And just like what we saw on the marijuana side, we're seeing in CBD where the states are saying, okay, if the federal government's not going to do anything, we're going to craft our own rules um, and we're going to set guidelines around it and we're going to lead the way, just like marijuana. If it were all up to the federal government at this point, there would be no marijuana industry because they have done nothing. It was states leading the way. And so uh, my prediction was that no, there would be no meaningful FDA uh, action on this this year, and maybe not for several years, but that this year we'd see an increasing number of states that are saying, okay, we're going to allow CBD in, in ingestibles, and we're going to set parameters around this industry so we can help it and help it flourish. Right. And we have seen that. California is becoming, well, for all the problems California has on the marijuana side, you know, they are trying to tackle this and create their own infrastructure for CBD that 
is hopefully going to create a robust market and spread uh, that blueprint spread to other states. A- absolutely. We just need somebody to break through. A- yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, the, the next one is, uh, man, it, it's, it's big. Uh, you said there'll be no federal uh, change of the marijuana laws, right? You said that Safe Banking Act, right, is like, it's, it's, it seems like it's gaining momentum. How do you, so what say you on this now? Do you, do you still say that it won't pass uh, I should at the end of the year? Yeah. Uh, and that's, trust me, this isn't what I want, right? I'm trying to view this uh, with all the experience of being really intimately tied to this industry for 11 years. And you know what? Making predictions is is foolish, but I do it anyway every year. I, I love it. I love it. This is great. Yeah. Because things, it, you know, in this industry, it's really, things surprise you all the time. But my, my thinking was that there were strong chances for something to break through federally. You have um, the Democrats who are traditionally more favorable towards cannabis in control of basically everything. You know, the House, the Senate, and the presidency. And that this would be the time to do it, right? We have enough, there's enough I mean, there's enough momentum, there's enough support, but is what happened, is what happened is that uh, some something the, happened on the way to the store. Something Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And just briefly, the leading, some of the leading Democrats in Washington that support legalization and reform basically are, you know, crafting their own full legalization bill that has no chance in hell of passing because it's, you know, this is a complicated matter. And so they've actually come out against any meaningful reform that's more of a, a big step, but not the whole picture. So without going into further details of boring everyone, you know, you've got Chuck Schumer or Cory Booker, you know, working on their own bill, but saying, hey, don't pass banking and 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 basically rallying support around their bill instead of that, because that doesn't go far enough. Well, guess what? That's not how legalization works in, in this country and and reform. It takes steps. So I was hoping that we'd see a change to the banking laws. Which right. is any cannabis knows is is yeah, a huge yeah. deal, but I'm afraid that the party is is fractured now, and and just seeing the the worsening of the situation in D.C. with getting anything done. So my prediction was rooted in I really hope this happens. I've been wrong. I think it was in eighteen. Oh, she wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I think in eighteen I predicted it would finally after always saying it wouldn't, and I was wrong. Right? Like it's very hard to predict, but I just didn't feel it was going to get over the hump this year, and I still yeah. don't. I'm hopeful. There's some other fight, but well, I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. And I really want you to explain what what the industry looks like with with a safe banking act. Chris, tell the listeners what that means. That act, I I say, once you have that, man, you know, I don't, you know, the federal thing is a nice to have almost, but to, Let's talk about what does that look like? What would that mean if the act passed as it is written? From a very high level, because there will be lots yeah. of ways this can go that might shift in different directions. I agree with you completely in that yeah. uh, this is pseudo-legalization. If you can get normalized banking, yeah, uh, fix the tax burden, the unfair tax burden on companies in the industry, particularly retailers, uh, is what you're doing is you're, you're basically normalizing it and, and, op- and opening the door uh, to all the people that and companies that want to get in, the investors, the, the money that's that's being held at bay because it's 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 still illegal. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if banking opens up, it's pseudo legalization, and it, again, it normalizes the industry, it creates more opportunities, it creates more capital coming in that will help companies, large or small, expand to grow to tap new markets, and it will also likely push more states over the edge 
to legalize. So uh, it is, this is to me, the biggest thing that should happen. And then to your point, yeah, something mm-hmm. bigger codified into law about letting states decide their own way or mm-hmm. full legalization, like whatever. This is right. what we need at this point. This, this is it. This is the thing. This is thing. Values of the. I mean, all of the, all of the 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 entities, the major entities that are public, um, are just so undervalued now and underappreciated. Their stock prices reflect that, and this will change that. It also will help. Um, you know, there there will be. There will be benefits and drawbacks all across the board. You lose the buffer if you're in the industry now. Um, yeah. We have we all are operating. Everyone in it is operating in a unique circumstance where we're not competing against others that we normally would be. Right. So we have right. opportunities to to actually start and grow businesses when we might not have had that if the big money was sure. in. But but what's going to happen is those smaller players that are struggling now, you know, to raise money to get an SBA loan to find a bank, right. you know, um, will have access to all that. So my hope is, it yeah. might, may not work completely like this, but my hope is it benefits everyone across the board. And yes, yeah. big money, and things are going to change, and it's going to get more competitive and potentially harder to enter, but you're also going to have a lot more tools and resources available to the mm-hmm. smaller players and a healthier industry overall, which hopefully benefits most people. Agreed. Totally. 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 What? So... Just kind of moving out of the prediction uh, uh, narrative, talk to me. What what do you think are some of the top struggles right now with and cannabis? From if 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 I'm a, a, a MSO, right, and what, what do you think they're struggling with? Uh, besides all of the the stuff they really can't control, they can help influence with money and people and, and stuff uh, on the legislative side and things we've been talking about. But what are the what are the other things you, you think that is, is really going to be important for them to up their game on? I think the MSOs in particular, yeah, uh, since since I was supposed to the question there, their struggles that uh, the way I see it is strategy. It's strategy. It's how what am I doing? Right? Am I just grabbing any state that looks promising? And here's a new one, and now we're going to try and get to California. Or is there a cohesive strategy behind what they're trying to do? Because what they're doing now, you know, really is going to dictate how strong they are when things change federally. And some of them won't make it. Some will be gobbled up. Some won't be strong. They won't have the right brands. Maybe they didn't have the clear strategy. And there's a lot of discussion. Do you go for revenue and footprint at all costs, or do you go for a financially sound business with a clear strategy of going into markets? with five characteristics, you whatever it is that you've determined, it's going to be a market with, you know, limited licenses with, uh, you know, what X amount of patient space and population density, um, or is it a land grab right now? Now, a land grab usually um, it has a lot of pitfalls, but, but can work successfully. So that's what I think the biggest struggle for them is they might not see it as a struggle because they do think they have a strategy, but as we've seen in Canada with the Canadian yeah. big companies, you know, that backfired tremendously. I think we're in a different situation here, but but I'm seeing a lot of different business models all across the board and which ones are going to win out in the next five years is is up for debate. And uh, and those ones who do revenue and footprints at all costs and trying to get as many states, may some of them will likely succeed and others will fail tremendously because when, when, when you look at their financials, at some point, people are not going to back that anymore. They're going to say, Okay, great. You're making a ton of money, but you're losing a ton of money too. Yeah, we're not going to investors will say we're not going to do that anymore. We don't support that. Yeah, 
I, I, and look, you said something right there, exactly where I wanted to go, investors and how investors are looking at this strategy that you're talking about. And and what I'm finding is that their, their biggest struggle is that they don't, that they need to beef up the um, pedigree and, and quality of the talent that they have running these companies that are on the board of directors, right? They, they really need to take it to another level. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a big thing. Are you hearing that in your circles? Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and we're seeing it. We're seeing a yeah. lot of those MSOs bringing on deep talent from other industries. Now, the key yeah. is not just to say, hey, we got this guy who used to work at, you know, in the executive suite at GE or Amazon right. or uh, Starbucks or whatever. It's effectively utilizing talent um, mm-hmm. and and having that strategy and uh, and learning how to scale and integrating all that. You're having these big MSOs now acquire each other, right? Well, that right. could be mass. That could be messy, especially in the cannabis industry with all the different regulations and restriction. So, you know, there there's some big acquisitions and mergers that are playing out now that we don't know how they're going to handle this integration, and we don't know if they're going to do it effectively. And we can look to any other industry and and point out companies that did the same thing and botched it. Even companies, mm-hmm. professional, you know, long-standing companies with good skill sets that messed up acquisitions, that messed up their growth strategy, that screwed up their brand they weren't oh. cohesive that screwed up their culture like so you know the, the companies that make it out of this you know are are, are going to do that very effectively and there's yes. going to be a lot that don't do it effectively right yeah it, it, but my point is this chris it's hard to do it if you haven't done it yeah okay that's my point so yeah the depth the level of talent you're right i mean think about what you said about the banking what would the M&A activity look like? It would be off the charts. It'd be crazy. It's already crazy in what's happening, you know, with, with all of the deals that are being made in the space. And you, you get something like that, culture, development of people, talent level of folks, it is so critical. If you don't have that, you're going to fail. No, I mean, you're, you're going to fail because you're going to make some bad decisions. The strategy is not going to be right for the infrastructure of which you've already built, right? Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. So you need to merge, to your point, you uh-huh. have to merge the cannabis expertise in the industry with people from outside who know how to scale. They know how to merge entities. They That's right. know big picture strategy. Uh, but even, I guess my point is even getting those people on board yeah. isn't a recipe for success. Um, you know, it's it's got to be done in the right ways. Uh, and we are seeing MSOs embrace that and merge the kind of big business expertise side with kind of the cannabis smaller player. Uh, uh, absolutely, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it, yeah. it's it really comes down to the details of how you approach it after you've got those people on board, and and some companies fail even with those people. No, and in other industries as well. To your point, uh, so so too bad. This this has been a really cool discussion, but let's talk about some things that happened to you guys at the beginning of the year, right? So, uh, speaking of if, acquisitions, <laughs> yes, Emerald Holdings, right? That that deal. How did that all come about? And 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 what you know, what drove it, and what what was the strategic vision that made it happen? Well, you know, the the two main co-founders, Anna and Cassandra, you know, started this and brought me on to help launch it. They they've been running it. They you know bootstrapped it along the way, and we've had offers for years, right? People coming out and. And willing to throw money at MJ Biz, but uh, never really interested in going that route and just doing what we were doing and helping the industry. I guess 
you know, um, it to, to what we were talking about just now, right? There was a realization that if we are going to grow, if we're going to be effective and help the industry, and we're going to do what we need to do in the future, we have to up level up as a company. So, you know, we needed, and it wasn't just about hiring people, right? So it was about, hey, is there a company we can team up with that is going to take us to that next level and and knows how to scale, knows how a mature industry operates more, better and has seen this iteration before outside of cannabis? So, you know, it, it had been a long time, you know, everyone gets tired running businesses for a long time. It just felt like the right time for them, especially to pursue an exit, but it had to be the right company and it had to be seen more as a partnership. So it wasn't like, hey, let's just go sell to someone who gives us money and it might be an investment firm or a hedge run, right? Who doesn't know what they're doing with events and media and just kind of is looking to bleed money out of it. It was a strategic play of who could acquire us that would enhance what we're doing and get us to that next level so that we can also adapt effectively as the industry changes and new skill sets are needed, new expertise that maybe we don't have right now. Um, so that was a lot of the fundamental thinking behind it. And it wasn't, uh, and, and it was done with who is the right seeing it as a partnership to help this grow, even though it was a full acquisition. And Emerald, it was the perfect fit because, you know, they are, they, they do what we do. They run business and they run media and they serve industries. Right. It was about tapping into that, their resources, their expertise, their knowledge, their vision, their strategy, and then feeding that into what we're doing. Uh, and making sure that MJ Biz is is even more relevant going forward uh, than it has been in the past. Well, look, they they bought a successful company, right? They acquired a successful company, and they did a smart thing. They 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 allowed the successful company they bought they bought to keep the leadership team intact because it was doing well, right? And I, I think that's that's smart. Now it may change in the future for all the reasons you aforementioned, right? But they, right now, this was the right thing to do to transition uh, the business, don't you think? Well, and I, I give them a lot of credit, not just because mm-hmm. I work for them now. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> uh, but now I, I I mean this from the bottom of my heart is that they approached it the right way, just like you said. They didn't say yeah. we know everything about you know running events and and media and all this and right. serving industries and. And so we're going to dictate where this goes. They said, hey, we liked what you guys were doing. We're impressed. That's why we're buying it. You know, we want you to continue doing what you're doing with our support and guidance, but we don't want to come in and F anything up, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen this happen in many different ways, the opposite, right? Where they say, okay, we're taking full control. We know. And then they don't understand the industry. They don't have connections with the industry. They're out of touch. and, And then the whole thing goes south, right? So- I, I give them a ton of credit, and that's what made this uh, deal attractive too. Is that that's how they pitched that they were going to approach this. Hey, you guys are the experts. Right. You know, we're we're going to help you in in other ways, but not come in and and overhaul everything you're doing. Right. So it was it was it was totally a strategic man. This is a great chat. We could talk forever. I didn't even get through half your predictions, and. <laughs> Good, because if they don't come true, I don't want them out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We can't we can't pin them on you, right? We can't <laughs> right. pin them on you. Man, but you got to come back. Absolutely. You got to come back, and we got to continue this chat. I really love that. It. it was a great time. You have tremendous energy for what you guys are doing, and uh, I really appreciate you being here, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It was great to talk again, and uh, happy, to, happy to join any time and talk about this crazy industry. I, absolutely. Well, thank you all for joining us at Plant Profits. 
and uh, our guest today, uh, Mr. Chris Walsh, CEO of MJ Biz and Marijuana Business Daily. I'm your host, uh, Vern Davis, and I, I want you to guys to go to wherever you get your podcast, you know, Spotify, Apple, you know, iHeart, wherever, and download Plant Profits. And uh, also look out for this episode with Chris Walsh. And download Plant Profits and enjoy. Uh, we have we have about 140 some odd uh, shows that you can pick from multi-topical. So uh, really interesting. Thank you very much for doing that. Follow Protus Global through our social uh, media networks with LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those places where you go and you glide on the digital, we are there. Finally, <laughs> I want you to learn about Protus, right? How we build companies, how we change people's lives by bringing amazing talent uh, to their businesses. And that's ProtusGlobal.com, P-R-O-T-I-S, global.com. Until next time, everyone, cheers. Cheers.